Well, good morning, Watermark. It's fun uh, to be here with you this morning. And if you are uh, joining us as a guest, if you've never been here, if you're just visiting, just a special welcome and, and thank you. Uh, we're encouraged that you would choose uh, to spend your time with us this morning. Uh, well, it's been about a year since I've been over here at the Dallas campus. My name is Tyler Briggs, and I spend uh, just about all of my time now out in Fort Worth at uh, Watermark Fort Worth, serving there as the campus pastor. But my ministry leadership started here in Dallas, going through the Institute back in 2012 and 2013. Uh, and it's always fun uh, to come back and visit. And, and I say visit uh, very purposely because as we like to say out in Fort Worth, life is just too short to actually live in Dallas, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, uh, truth may sound like hate to those who hate the truth, but uh, you know that you, if you could come out West and look, hey, you could, because uh, I want to make sure that everybody knows that uh, in just a few months, uh, the ministry of Watermark is going to be multiplying as uh, the Fort Worth campus uh, gets launched out uh, to be an independent local church to continue to pass on what's been invested in us through, uh, through Watermark, through the time, through the resources, through the investment and discipleship into our staff and into our body uh, as we become an independent local church in Fort Worth. We couldn't be more excited about it and are grateful for the, all the ways that you have partnered with us um, in that ministry out there. So just wanna say thank you uh, for that. But I get to bring us back into or continue us forward in the series that we've been in for the uh, past little while called This is the Life. This is the Life series. We're looking specifically at the book of Proverbs. Well, why the book of Proverbs? Uh, I heard it summed up well in something that I was reading that the book of Proverbs is about applying divine wisdom to daily life. It's a book where God is instructing you as a loving father who wants to see life go well with you in ways that you can begin to navigate life with skill, with wisdom. And it's not a wisdom that comes from yourself, but comes from him. And so we're excited to dive back into that. But I want to start uh, at this point by asking uh, you a question. Have you noticed that life has not turned out to be quite as easy as you thought it was going to be? Here's what I mean. Uh, we think uh, that life is going to be like a beautiful day uh, at the beach where we get there uh, and the weather's like perfect. And if you have kids and they're there, they're well behaved. Uh, it's mild weather. The day goes well. Nobody throws a tantrum. Uh, it's just amazing. Nobody gets a sunburn and you just enjoy your time together. You go home like singing songs together in the car or with your friends and you get home and you just sleep really, really well at the end of the day. And it was just like perfect. And then what we think life is going to be like in that way is like uh, we're going to get accepted into whatever college we want to go to. Like we apply and we're in. Or you're gonna get married to the man or woman of your dreams and have an amazing marriage. Then you're gonna buy a house in Richardson or Arlington Heights if you're over in Fort Worth. As you start your career, you're gonna get promoted to that executive role in your late 20s. Be financially free by the time you're 30. <laughs> all, the, uh, all the Gen Xers were laughing uh, at that last statement. Uh, you're gonna have with your spouse two well-behaved, perfectly obedient, respectful children. You're gonna get a dog that never pees on the carpet. It's gonna be amazing. You're gonna, then you're gonna have, uh, as you get older, four grandkids who all live in the same town so you can uh, enjoy family dinners together but then send them home when you're kind of done with them. 
you're going to retire in your 50s, travel the world, and then when your time is done, you're going to die peacefully in your sleep, having never experienced any real pain or suffering in your life. It's like a perfect day at the beach. Everything's going to go as planned. But it turns out, as we all know, that's not the kind of day at the beach that life actually is. It's really more like this. And there it comes. Hey, laugh or cry. That's the reality of life uh, in this world. We plan for things to be some way in life and then not just one wave, but wave after wave comes of hardship and knocks us down. And instead of going to the college of our dreams, we end up going to the local community college or a trade school while the rest of our friends go to Texas A&M University. That's like throwing a dog a bone, okay? (laughs) That was just to make you feel better about yourself. (laughs) Instead of getting into that perfect marriage, uh, you're still single in your 40s or your 50s, or you get that marriage, but it hasn't turned out quite as you thought, and it is really, really hard. Or maybe it's even ended in divorce, and it wasn't what you had planned. Instead of having those perfect kids, you're walking through infertility or miscarriage and you're experiencing the grief and trial and trouble that comes with each of those or you have kids, but they're just struggling either physically or educationally and things just aren't going well for them or uh, as they get older, maybe they're just prodigals. They're running from you and they're running from the, the Lord and as a parent, your home doesn't have the joy that you thought it would as you're child runs and makes bad decisions. And that job that you thought was gonna be so perfect, you've lost it and you're unemployed. That company that you built, staring at bankruptcy in the face. Or as you get older, instead of retiring in your 50s and traveling the world, you're dealing with chronic illness or other things that are slowing you down. On top of all that, you realize that temptation to run from the Lord is ever present. And that even when you're walking in faithfulness, you're experiencing persecution for what you believe. And we realize that life is hard. But we shouldn't be surprised by that. Because Jesus himself told us that in this world, we will have trouble. But there's hope for you. There's hope for all of us in this room because God knew that things were gonna be this way. He didn't leave us without wisdom on how to navigate hardship in life, but he gave us wisdom specifically on how to persevere, how to persevere in life. And so today as we continue in the This Is The Life series, we're gonna be addressing what I think may be the most important character trait that we're going to cover, which is the character trait of perseverance. How to um, overcome not escape, but how to overcome your circumstances instead of being overcome by them. And so this is why this is important. And we can show this really quickly. Just by a show of hands in this room, how many of you right now are experiencing something difficult in life? Just about everybody in the room. Because the truth is, hardship is universal. We're all gonna experience it to to different degrees, but none of us in this room are going to to escape it. And if we don't understand how to persevere, truly how to persevere, you're gonna daily live with discouragement, despair, depression, defeat, 
and life is not gonna be well for you. But if you do understand how to persevere, if we take heed to God's wisdom for us, we will be able to overcome our circumstances even when we continue to walk in the midst of them and to persevere. And so this morning, we're gonna look at three things. We're gonna look at from the book of Proverbs, primarily how you persevere, the support to persevere, and the perfect example of perseverance. But I want you to understand what perseverance is not. It's not specifically two things. Perseverance is, is not passive. Perseverance is not passive. It's not just looking at your circumstances and saying, okay, I'm, I'm not gonna be frustrated by them. I'm just gonna surrender and give in and just kind of live with it. That is not perseverance at all. Actually, if you're going to persevere, if you're going to rise above your circumstances and experience joy and hope in the midst of them, it requires that you do something. Proverbs 24, chapter 10 says that if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You can't just surrender. You have to do something. Proverbs 24, 16 then says that the righteous falls seven times and then rises again, no matter how many waves come. But the wicked are the ones who stumble in time of calamity and just get knocked down. When adversity or trial comes, you must do something. But then there's a temptation. Hey, because in order to persevere, I have to do something. You think that you just have to muster up the might in and of yourself to overcome your circumstances. You have to apply what we would call bootstrap theology over in Fort Worth, which means you just man up and you deal with it. And that's also uh, going to lead to a poor outcome. That's also going to leave you uh, defeated. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says that pride goes before destruction in a haughty spirit before the fall. And Proverbs 16, 25 would say that there's a way that seems right to a man and its end is the way of death. Um, I grew up in a family uh, of amazing men. Uh, but at the same time, if there's one thing, if there's one trait that can tend to plague most of the men in my family is that we think in order to be strong men, we can't show weakness. And pride is something uh, that runs thick uh, uh, in my family. And so what that means is, is when trials come, we feel like we do have to look in and of ourselves. We have to find our own strength. We have to apply our own wisdom to get through difficult times. And I can't tell you, there is a pattern of destruction in my family's life because of pride. Because we're trying to persevere. The men in my family are trying to persevere in and of our own strength. But perseverance does not come from strength inside yourself, but from somewhere else. And so where, where does it come from? So my first point this morning is that you persevere by trusting God in the midst of trials. You persevere by trusting God in the midst of trials and you're probably like, oh wow, new profound truth. I don't think so, because it's probably not new to you. Uh, but also we can tend when we hear, hey, we gotta trust God in this. We just have like this general uh, picture of, hey, I'm just gonna kinda trust God. And it's, it's this easy thing to do. Uh, and whenever you're not going through something hard, it's kind of easy to say that. But when you're in the throes of hardship, you realize that trust that faith takes a lot of effort. And also that you better have faith in the right place. Proverbs speaks on this in a couple of different passages, actually in over 20, but I've picked a few. Proverbs 10, 25 says that when the whirlwind passes, the wicked are no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. The righteous has built their life upon trust in something. Well, what is that? Proverbs 18 10 says that the name of the Lord 
is a strong tower. And the righteous man doesn't just know that, but runs into the presence of God himself when trouble comes and is safe. So we run into God's presence. We just don't know things about God, but we run directly to him. And by running to him, we're not just saying that we're trusting, we're actually acting in faith as we move towards him to trust him with all that we have. And we don't just uh, trust in him, we trust in his words, we trust in his promises. And over and over and over again in Proverbs, it gives us these uh, very strong words full of imagery about what does it mean to truly, diligently, with faith, Trust in the word of the Lord. In Proverbs chapter four, verses four through six, it says that he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. She will help you persevere, love her, and she will guard you. We can read, we can glance over these types of passages so quickly, but not understand truly the type of effort and diligence that we're to pursue and hold our faith in the word of the Lord. And I saw a video a few weeks ago that really just helped, I think, capture the intensity of what it means to trust and to hold fast to God and his promises. And it was a video of a man in Scotland who is going paragliding uh, for the very first time. So there's a picture of it uh, up here. And he was like super excited. It's like a three and a half minute video. You should go look it up. It's crazy. Uh, But he was really excited. He got an instructor to help him because he'd never done it before, uh, which is wise, except for one thing, that the instructor and this guy forgot to actually like clip himself into the paraglider. And so very quickly after jumping off the side of this hill, he realizes that he's got a real problem that the only thing uh, connecting him to this paraglider are his hands. And uh, the instructor realizes what's going wrong and he's trying to get this glider down to the ground, but because of the updraft, they keep getting higher and higher and higher. And uh, this brother knows that he's got two options. To hold fast to that bar or to die. As he gets to the end of the video and he lands, he talks about what happened during that flight. And it says that he literally, he he held on so tight and he was so tired that his bicep tendon ripped in half. But he didn't let go. Why didn't he let go? Why did he work so hard to hold on to that bar? Because he knew, he knew that life his ability to overcome that circumstance was only gonna happen through one thing, just to hold tight. And in the same way, many of you in this room are going through one of the things that I mentioned earlier, one of those hardships, one of those waves in life that could knock you down or any number of other things. And you're trying really, really hard to to overcome, to persevere, and you're not. And I wanna gently encourage you to look at what are you holding on to? Because if it's not to the Lord with intensity and fervor, if it's not to his promises, it's not gonna go well with you. But if you are, and if you continue to do so, there's a promise that you will find life. You will live as you cling to him. A couple of other Proverbs that hit this 
same point. Proverbs chapter four, verses 20 through 23 uses similar language. My son, be attentive, like consciously attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, and for from it flow the springs of life. Proverbs seven, verses one through three, my son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep them and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. I, uh, I love the imagery of that phrase, keep them as the apple of your eye which means essentially is that as you focus on the Lord himself and what he has promised you on what is true, on the wisdom that he's given you, that everything else kind of seems to disappear. And uh, I'll use a cultural example of love to make my point here is that if you've ever fallen in love, you know what it means to keep something as the apple of your eye. I remember uh, when I fell in love with my wife. It was 16 years ago. It was the first time that I'd ever met her. And uh, it was at Dixie Dance Hall in Beaumont, Texas, the day before Thanksgiving 2003. Guys, if you remember things like that, it, it builds credit with your wife. <laughs> but I went out there, I was like, there's this beautiful brunette, I've gotta get to know her, I've gotta meet her. And so we were talking, and uh, the day before Thanksgiving, I said, hey, what are you, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And she said, I'm leaving uh, tomorrow to go to the hunting lease with my dad. And I got down on one knee. <laughs> And I just closed the deal right there. <laughs> Not really, that part. But that was the beginning of me uh, having Lindsay Renee Brown, now Briggs, as the apple of my eye. And all my other circumstances in life just kind of went away. And when you love the Lord and you trust him and you begin to make him the apple of your eye, the very center of the thing of which your life, your eyes, your heart, your trust is fixated on, Everything else starts to just kind of not disappear and go away from your life, but not take center stage to rob your joy and to rob your hope. And so you cling to him. But specifically, if you don't set your heart and your mind to persevere, you won't. There's no other way around it. it perseverance takes work. It takes effort. But it's not uh, activity. It's not the effort of being busy. It's the effort of abiding. So when we go to persevere, we can't mistake activity for abiding. And the hard work that we have to do is knowing what is true about the Lord and then believing it. And so what are some of those things, that, that these truths that we would hold so tightly to so that we wouldn't be overcome? It's the truth that we know that God loves us. The truth that you know that God loves you. How do you know that? Because he demonstrates his love for you in this and that while you were still a sinner, while you were yet his enemy, he died for you. And we know that God causes all things to work for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And that these things that we experience today, these sufferings that we experience today are but light and momentary afflictions that as we endure them are producing in us a weight of glory that will last for all eternity. And that God is using them for our good. And so when we encounter trials of any kinds, we can count it all joy, knowing that the testing of our faith produces in endurance and that testing is gonna make us perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And also we know that if we are in Christ, that there is an eternity coming for us, an eternity coming where we will live directly in the presence of God forever, in whom presence there is fullness of joy, and in whose right hand there are pleasures forevermore. 
and that we're gonna be in a place where there's no more pain and no more tears and no more suffering and no more hardship. And so we live today and persevere and we live for Christ to glorify him in our sufferings, knowing that even if our hardship today takes us completely out, that's okay because then our hardship is over. And so we endure, we hold fast to these truths and these promises and we overcome. But perseverance isn't something that you do completely solo. It's really hard to persevere completely on your own. So yes, perseverance is your personal, diligent pursuit of God, your personal trusting in him. But you also, to persevere well, you need to persevere with the support of community. And that's my second point this morning is that you persevere with the support of community. Proverbs has a lot to say about community. Um, a couple of verses, Proverbs 18.1 says that whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. He just says, hey, it is unwise to try to do life on your own. Essentially, you are a fool if you're trying to do this by yourself. Proverbs 24 Verses five and six is a wise man is full of strength and a man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance, you can wage war and in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. And then in Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon, who wrote most of the book of Proverbs, also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes and he includes this in chapter four, verses nine through 12. He says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to the one who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two can withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And simply put is that community helps give you the strength to endure, helps give you the strength to persevere. And if you don't have community in your life, perseverance is only gonna be an aspiration for you. It's gonna be next to impossible for you to endure and persevere um, on your own. Community lifts us up uh, when we're down. Just a little over a year ago, uh, my wife and I found ourselves in a place that we didn't wanna be. As we were in the emergency room of Harris Hospital in downtown Fort Worth, my wife was going through a miscarriage. We were losing our child at nine weeks and five days in the womb. And it's in those moments when the reality of how hard it is to hold fast to truth, to remember truth, really sets in. But I'm thankful that in that moment, we, we weren't alone in that room. But a friend of ours, Stacy Robbins, was bedside with my wife, holding on to her hand, pointing us towards the Lord, pointing us towards what is true. But even though we might not understand what God was doing in this moment, we could trust him because we've seen his love for us ultimately in Jesus Christ, but in so many other ways throughout our life. And then we could be confident that he was gonna take this tragedy and use it for good in our life and in the lives of others. And she prayed. And she strengthened us and helped us persevere and endure through something that I don't know that we could have done in the way that we did apart from the help of community. And then upon coming home, pulling into our driveway, Jody Walker 
in our driveway with melted ice cream and a bouquet of flowers and sweet words of truth and reminder for us. And we couldn't have done it on our own. And you can't either. You can't either. But as community matters, as we persevere with the support of community, who your community is matters. You see, it's not just about having people around you. It's about having the right people around you. And some of you are having a really hard time persevering because quite frankly, you have the wrong people in your life. And instead of them helping you to persevere, they're only compounding your problems because they're not pointing you to where real help is found. Proverbs 25 verse 19 says that trusting in a treacherous man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips. I love this. Have you ever had a bad tooth? I've got one back here on the top side of my left side of my mouth. And uh, it has a, had a filling in it and then it fell out one time. So I had like this exposed nerve. Uh, and so, you know, I don't go to the dentist as much as I should, like confession. Uh, so how I dealt with it was I just like chewed on the right side of my mouth. Problem solved. And it was cheaper. And, uh, but I kind of got used to it and forgot that I had an issue over there. And so there was a day where I uh, had some beef jerky that I was eating and I took a big old bite of beef jerky and then I rolled it over to that left side of my mouth, trusting that that tooth was gonna get the job done. And it didn't. When I bit down, pain shot all the way across the entire side of my face and things were worse than ever before. And in the same way, in the same way, if you have people in your life who are not godly, who are not pointing you to the Lord, they are not gonna help you overcome the pain of your circumstances. They're going to increase it because they're gonna be pointing you to things that don't bring help, but bring harm. And so you have to be careful about and be wise about who your community is. Those who walk with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So how do you know if you have good community? You just simply look at where, they, where they're pointing you. Are they pointing you just to have a few drinks, just to kind of check out for a moment and uh, unplug and kind of numb the pain that you're in? Or are they telling you, hey, just, you just need to get away. Just take a vacation. Just kind of get away from all of this. Escape from your problems. That'll make it better. Or maybe they're just saying, look, it really doesn't matter what decision you make here. Just do whatever makes you happy. So whatever, the, whatever that button is that you can hit, whatever that choice is that you can make, whatever it is that's gonna make you happy, just do that. And those are the kind of people that are not gonna help you persevere. They're gonna make your life worse. The kind of community that you need in, in your life are people who point you to one place and one place alone, which is to the Lord. It's to Jesus Christ, who can help you through any and every circumstance. And then a second warning for, that I have for you about community before we... Uh, move on to something else is, uh, is for those of us who are in community here at Watermark. It's our middle name after all. We know how important it is, but if, when you're going through a hard time, there is a grievous mistake that you can make. And it's that if you begin to look at your community as a substitute for your personal communing with the Father, if you begin to look uh, to community as a substitute for your own walk and your own faith and your own trusting in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how much they're pointing you to the truth, you're not gonna persevere because you're asking them to do for you what only you can do for yourself. 
which is to personally trust in Christ. Your community group uh, can't trust God for you. They can't pursue what is true for you. They can't hold fast to God's promises for you. Only you can do that. And so, yes, you do need, you do need the help of godly community to persevere, but they can't be your everything. There's one thing that only you can do, which is to personally trust in the Lord for yourself in his wisdom and in his ways. There's a couple of friends of mine who I've got to walk with over the past several years who have been an inspiration to many in the way that they have walked through a really, really hard season with such faith and such joy and such hope when the world would say they shouldn't have any. And I want you to be encouraged by their story. Watch this. I'm Erin Cartwright. I'm Todd Cartwright. And we met at Watermark Fort Worth in 2014. And then we were married in May of 2017. And then we had our first daughter, Georgia Quinn, in August of 2018. And then two months after she was born, through a series of events, she was diagnosed with neuroblastoma, which is a cancerous tumor of the adrenal gland that had eventually spread to her liver. Initially, I think obviously we were pretty shocked. It felt surreal that we were taking our newborn to the oncology unit of Cook Children, but um, I was panicked at first. I thought that I was um, spending my last moments with my daughter, and I was pretty fearful and confused. Just in these chaotic moments. Uh, yeah, how do you bring order to that? And so just relying on Christ to be, strengthen me in this moment to love the people around us, encourage them, encourage my wife. As she's coming out of surgery and she's got all these tubes coming off of her and uh, her voice is raspy from the breathing tube that they just removed and she's groggy coming out of anesthesia and this is your two month old. I mean, it was shocking and really easy for me to lose my temper and want to lash out. It was extremely frustrating and it was an extremely stressful time. It's just high, high stress moments where everything was urgent and everything mattered in the midst of me feeling shocked and grieved at what I was seeing and experiencing. And so in these moments, um, I had to have the truth of the suffering servant in the gospel because that is the only person that I could look to that I knew understood what I was thinking and feeling in that moment. And I knew that Jesus was the only person that I could follow through that. Because if he suffered the way that he did, then okay, I will follow him through this suffering. I, I too will suffer. And so I could trust that in this moment, as broken as it felt, as much as I was suffering, I could trust that something in this was going to bring wholeness. This was going to be redeemed. God was going to use this for a good and perfect plan, even if I couldn't see it in that moment. And so that brought me a lot of hope because I could trust the fact that even if I lost my daughter, it was not outside of God's sovereign plan for her life. And she would not have lost one day uh, that he didn't plan, that every single day that he had planned for her would be lived. And so I knew that I could trust that. 
It was a really easy choice for us to say we want to honor God through this. Yeah, God really showed up uh, through the body. Um, the believers that were around us, the encouragement, the prayers, and not just not just saying like, oh, well, yeah, she's going to get through this. Y'all are going to beat it. You're going to, yeah, no. she's going to be come out through on the other end. But just saying like, man, we cannot promise tomorrow. What we can do today is pray. And we know God is faithful. And whatever his plan is, um, his name will be glorified. The cancer cells in her liver are continuing to regress. Uh, so they're still there, but it's, um, it has shrunk significantly, and her body is now fighting off the cancer on its own. We go back every now and then uh, to see her oncologist and to get some scans done. Scan days are still pretty tough. Um, they're, they're all day, there's anesthesia involved, there's IVs, and the older she gets, the less she's willing to tolerate a lot of this. So. It's still pretty stressful, and so this truth was not just applicable in that um, really intense time. Even whenever we have just normal uh, parenting situations where Georgia gets a stomach bug or a diaper rash or she's throwing a temper tantrum because she refuses to wear shoes these days, this truth um, is still something that is, one, easy to forget, but is what we what we look to and what we hold on to because that is the point of all of this. That's the point of this testimony. That's the point of uh, anything that we could garner from this season is to point to God and to make Him known because He is holy and He is brilliant and He is kind and He is in control and He can be trusted. And so I do have a greater understanding of what it means to point to God in every season of life and to make it about Him and to believe the gospel and have that become rooted in me more and more and to trust that any circumstance, any trial, any temper tantrum or uh, surgery is not the end, uh, but that because of the gospel, eternity is the end. Thank you, Todd and Aaron. I pray that their story encourages you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know, when you raised your hand earlier, I don't know what that difficulty was. But if there's a reason not to have hope, it's to have your newborn child be diagnosed with cancer and connected to tubes and surgeries and treatments. And if God can provide hope and joy and the strength to persevere for Todd and Aaron, he can provide it for you. I promise you, he can provide it for you. And I love in their story how they talk about holding fast to the promises of God, this being supported by the community that's around them, but probably the most strengthening part of their story is when Aaron starts talking about looking at the suffering servant, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it would be a shame not to, it would be a miss this morning, not to close this message by pointing you to the same place that she looked, which is to Jesus Christ as our example. So the last point this morning is that Jesus Christ is the perfect example of perseverance. One of the things that frustrated me for quite a while was that God is like transcendent, like he's, he's above all this. And I, I didn't know why he would let people experience the things that he lets them experience here on this earth and the brokenness of this world while yet he 
sits in the heavens apart from it all, but I couldn't have had a bigger misconception of what the truth was because see, God is not allowing you to experience anything that he himself has not experienced. In Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 through 16, it says, since then, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He never stopped trusting. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. See, Jesus experienced to a greater degree anything that we may experience on this earth but yet he trusted God through the midst of it all. And then for everything that we've talked about this morning, he himself demonstrated it for us. If we look to the wilderness temptation, when repeatedly the enemy tempted Jesus to forego God's plan, he held fast to God's word. And he quotes from the book of Deuteronomy repeatedly and overcomes the temptation. When he's in the garden of Gethsemane and the weight of God's wrath being stored up to be poured out on him at the cross, was bearing down on him, what did he do? He ran to the Father and he prayed and he stayed in line with the will of God for his life. And then when he was on the cross and the moment had come for him, his body to be given fully up for you, he again trusted in God. He trusted in the Father and he didn't come down. And yet he wasn't spared from the torture of the crucifixion, from the pain of the cross. In fact, it it took his life. But he persevered in trusting God and God used that act of evil for the greatest thing that's ever been known to man, which is the opportunity for salvation for all who believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's through belief and who Jesus is and what he did on your behalf that you can now come boldly with confidence into God's very presence to be strengthened for whatever you're going through. And so I pray this morning that as we look at this attribute of perseverance that, that you would indeed understand that perseverance is not just a passive look at God or at his word, but an intense pursuit to hold fast to the Lord himself and to what is true. It's a reaching out to community for support and for help, and then a fixing of your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith, to be strengthened to overcome whatever you're going through, and you will persevere. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that you do love us. We thank you that you don't ask us to navigate this troublesome, hard life on our own. But you've given us an example in Jesus Christ. You've given us your Holy Spirit to empower us, to give us the strength to overcome, to endure, to persevere. And I pray that we would cling to that. I pray like, I pray what Isaiah said, that we would remember, God, that you are the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth, and that you never faint or grow weary, that you understand all things, that your ways are higher than our ways that you give power to the weak, that you give comfort to the hurting, that you give strength to those who have none.
God, may we remember that even though youth in this earth will grow weary and strong men will fall exhausted in the midst of trials, that any of those who wait for you will find renewal of their strength, that they will rise up with wings like eagles, that they will run this race of life with endurance, that they will not grow weary. For you, God, are our strength. May we run to you and may we remember and know that when we hold fast to you, God, you have promised to hold fast to us. And so may nothing keep us from coming to you. May we take heed your words and may we run with confidence to you, to your very presence, to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We love you, we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.